The sun was low in the afternoon sky. The days were shorter now. It was December 17th. It also happened to be Karen's birthday. She and Mike would celebrate it that evening with a stay-at-home date night. For now, though, while Karen waited for Mike to show up, she was watching her two-year-old, Eric, throw stones into the pond at Canoket Park in the city of Providence. By this late in the year, the chilly weather had emptied the park of children, but for Eric, there was no weather, however cold, that could get in between him and his recently discovered passion for stones and water. Squat down, grab stone, stand, and throw. Splash goes the water. Do it again. Splash goes the water. Do it again. Splash. It just never got old. Yes, it was December 17th. Karen's birthday was also the day on which 12 years ago, Mike had asked Karen to marry him. His joke was that he had popped the question on her birthday so that he could save some money with the engagement ring doubling as a birthday gift. Karen, though, knew the real reason Mike had proposed to her on that day. He wanted to redeem the day for her. You see, Karen's folks had split up on her birthday, her ninth birthday. After that, every December 17th had been a time of quiet grief. Had the engagement redeemed the day for her? It did, to an extent. More than anything, though, her children were her redemption. She looked at her little son, busy with his stones, and her thoughts turned to her daughters, whom she had left with her mother-in-law. Elizabeth was six. Olivia had recently turned nine. Karen remembered when she was nine, and her thoughts turned to the shadows of her childhood. To visit her father on the weekends, she had to miss a lot of swim meets, and this eventually disqualified her from the team. Karen could see her mother on the phone with her father. Her mother was so mad that she was shaking, her face glowing red, glistening with tears. How can you do this to your daughter? What? No. No, you listen to me. It's not going to be okay. Mommy cries so much now. Mommy already has too many emotions. She doesn't need Karen's emotions. She needs to be protected from Karen's emotions. Karen would be extra good and protect Mommy. Karen didn't need to be on the swim team because Mommy needed her now. Splash went the water. Eric threw another stone and another splash. Eric's stone splashing the water brought Karen from her dark past to that morning's events, to Olivia's swim meet at the Smithfield YMCA. Boys and girls splashing around in the pool, carrying on, having a good time. Olivia winning the individual medley and being so proud towel in left hand, trophy in her right, glowing face, so excited she was shaking. Olivia's special day. 
Olivia, smile for the picture, honey. Olivia in front of the camera, mom behind the camera, out of sight. Olivia's shining, smiling face, the center of attention. But again, Karen sank into the depths, the dark depths of her childhood. She grew up in upstate New York, but that's about as specific as it gets. After her ninth birthday, until she went to college, she never stayed in one place for more than a year or two. It was always a new school, a new house, a new apartment, all depending on what job prospect or what boyfriend mom was currently placing all her hopes in. There was only one of mom's boyfriends that Karen ever liked, Ray. That was when they lived in Syracuse. That was the time mommy woke Karen up in the middle of the night. They had to leave Ray's house and go to Aunt Jackie's. So they left. Karen never saw Ray again. It happened so unexpectedly, just like when Daddy left. It was three in the morning and Mommy and Aunt Jackie were in the other room. Through the closed door, Karen could hear Aunt Jackie, Didn't I tell you this is going to happen? Didn't I tell you? Look, you could see this coming. It's going to be all right. And Mommy crying and shouting, No, it's not going to be all right. It's not going to be all right. Splash went the water. Squat down, grab stone, stand and throw. Splash. Squat down, grab stone. As Eric picked up his stone and stood upright, Karen was again lifted up out of her past and brought to that day's lunch at her mother-in-law's beautiful house. The entire western wall of which was made up of stones, the entire wall was one big chimney, actually, a rare architectural form found mostly in Rhode Island. For hundreds of years, the timber-framed house had been repaired and added to and changed And yet its western wall, with all its ancient stones, remained unchanged. Mike's grandfather acquired the house between the wars, and his recently deceased father, along with his mother, had lived there for half a century. Mike and his brothers grew up there. Mike had gone to school and worked in Boston for several years, but always planned on coming back to Rhode Island to live closer to his childhood home. And Mike and Karen would be the next to inherit the family house. After the swim meet that morning, Karen and the kids visited Grandma and helped her put up Christmas decorations. They covered the stone wall with garland and lights and placed a wreath above the mantle. Afterwards, the kids were pooped. After Eric's nap, Karen had him in her arms and was getting ready to go to the park. She looked over at Elizabeth peacefully asleep on Grandma's lap. In the background, surrounding both, was the huge stone wall, immovable, stable, secure. And yet again, Karen fell back into the gloom of her childhood. It was her eighth-grade graduation. Dad had a new wife and a new daughter, and yet... He had told Karen he'd be there for her graduation. She waited. He never came.
And again, her mother's tears and emotions during the car ride home and months later when she confronted her dad in person. Don't you dare talk to me about how kids are resilient. It's not going to be all right. You hear me? It's not going to be all right. Karen put Eric in his stroller and made her way to the parking lot and the playground where they'd meet Mike after his Saturday at the office. The girls would stay with Grandma for the night. Karen and Mike would take Eric, who'd be tired enough to be put down early, so Mike and her could enjoy their evening together. Right on time, Mike's SUV pulled into the parking lot. Oh, oh, who's that? Who's that? Eric twisted around in Karen's arms to look, his face alive with anticipation. Daddy was spotted by Eric, and Karen couldn't put him down fast enough. Dada here! Dada here! Hey, is that little dude? Hey, big guy, what you been up to? Having fun with mommy? Dada here! Dada here! Eric ran across the parking lot and threw himself into Mike's arms. Afterwards, it was the playground. Karen looked on and watched. and It was all slides and swings and piggyback rides, silly faces and roughhousing like only Daddy could do. Eric's squeals of laughter filled the air. He was beaming as he looked up adoringly into Daddy's face. And with every squeal of laughter and with every smile, the darkness in Karen's heart receded. She began to feel again. She could feel her soul. As Karen and Mike were packing up Eric's stroller, there was enough light left in the day for Mike to see Karen's face and to be startled by what he saw. Karen was a sensitive person who took things to heart, and yet, for all her sensitivity, Mike had never seen her cry. And that's precisely why he was startled when he noticed the light of the setting sun glinting off the tears in her eyes. Honey, are you okay? Is everything all right? Mike placed his hands on her shoulders and looked her full in the face. Holding a sleepy Eric in one arm and managing to wipe her eyes with the sleeve of her other arm, Karen met Mike's gaze and through her tears said, Yeah, everything is okay. Everything is all right. I am just so happy. Everything is going to be all right. My brothers and sisters, as I end this story, leaving you with this image of a mother and her child and husband, our minds turn to another mother and child and husband, the ones we hear about in our gospel today as we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I suggest to you, moreover, that the little story I've just told can help us understand the meaning of Christmas. As a little girl, Karen was made to carry a burden meant for an adult. She lost her childhood and became old before her time. So also, before the birth of Jesus, sin had placed upon mankind a burden that made the world old before its time. 
When Karen's folks split up, little Karen learned that bad things happen randomly and suddenly. Nothing is stable. There's no security. There's no place you can call home. So also, before the birth of our Savior, sin had turned the earth upside down and had exiled us from our home in heaven. Karen's father had left her, leaving a felt absence in her life, a broken relationship. So also, before the birth of our Lord, sin had separated us from God, rupturing our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Karen's children, however, were her redemption. In them, she found a new beginning. Old memories were replaced by new ones. Through her children, the darkness of her past was overcome by the light of a new hope. So also with the birth of the Christ's child, whose birth we celebrate today, humanity is redeemed and has found a new beginning. With the birth of the Christ's child, whose birth we celebrate today with so much gratitude, mankind has been given a fresh start, an eternal home, and a loving Heavenly Father. With the birth of the Christ's child, whose birth we celebrate today with so much love and rejoicing, God has come down into our darkness to give us light and to lift us up, to erase our ancient history of sin and to give us a future with hope. This, my brothers and sisters, is the mystery we celebrate today. This is the mystery of East of Christmas.